Bondi a button. <laughs> you were saying? Welcome to episode 89 of the Civil War Breakfast Club. Tonight, I am joined by the guy who is now an honorary Canadian citizen because he has had A, Tim Hortons, B, seen Niagara Falls, and C, he can speak the language of my country, which he discovered quite qu- quickly after he crossed the border. Hello, Darren. How are you? I am just Mary, his Canadian co-host, who is not bilingual. Bonjour, s'il vous plaît. Oh, <laughs> God. Moshi, moshi. What? Bonjour, know. je m'appelle Mary. Bonjour, okay. Je, God. Je, 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 je. <laughs> just uh, speaking French. Anyway, so that's where we go. So my, I, I told you I'd butcher it, didn't I? No, you certainly did. You butchered that pretty good. So what's going on with you? What's going on? You're um, you're, you're monolingual. What the heck? Monolingual. I am monolingual. One language. You speak you, English and you speak swear. Those yep, are two languages you swear. Yeah. Anyway, how's everything going? We had a fun week. We had a fantastic live. The roundtable was cool, always yep. action packed, as usual. As always. Cast of characters, which Thanks always to everybody fun. who so, joined us. And we're engaged on another, another, another fun weekend. We we're not going to be doing a live this weekend. We got plans afoot. Let's we plan the next do, time too. because, yeah, we're both going to be in the same place at once in person. Oh, lucky, lucky me. Ooh. Lucky me. The three of us will have fun. We'll have a good time. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, we are carrying on with part two of our discussion of the Tullahoma campaign, which we talked about last week. So before we get into the campaign and kind of recapping what we discussed before, what, my fine sir, are you drinking? Oh, thanks again for asking, Mary, how much I appreciate that. I just went old school today. I just went yingling. Got to do yingling. And uh, I'm drinking out of my unconditional surrender uh, mug for Grant. Um, last week it was of course Vicksburg uh, and so it was actually about two weeks ago now so I didn't get a chance to honor him for that so yep. I decided to go with my unconditional surrender mug with the yingling so what about you what are yourself what's going um, on with you what's going on what's going on your gullet tonight I'm drinking haze for days by Thornbury craft brewing company and I'm drinking it out of my Sherman staff mug and it actually has a few I think w- at least one person who was on who was included in this episode as well on his staff and this mug is obviously Oliver Otis Howard, Black Jack Logan, uh, Sherman, uh, Jefferson C. Davis, who is one of the ones who was on the Tullahoma campaign, if I'm not mistaken. You and, are correct. And mm-hmm. anyway, so he is. And the- McMahon used to say, you are correct, sir. <laughs> anyway, so as we said, that leads us into, we are picking up our discussion of the Tullahoma campaign. Last week, we talked about the first part of it. We took you guys all the way to Hoover's Gap, which happens on September the 24th, 1863. And it is where like Colonel John T. Wilder and his Lightning Brigade, they kind of earn their name for what they're going to do with their Spencer. They have Spencer repeaters there. They are mounted infantry they are, you know, a new thing in the Union Army to the point where, just to recap a little bit more, where Wilder has to drill them a little bit differently. He has to come up with new tactics because they are mounted infantry, but he's basing those tactics off the manual that was written by William J. Hardy, who he's actually one of the ones he's fighting against in this Tullahoma campaign. And Wilder is going to make his name in this battle as well. And we talked a lot about Braxton Bragg and the struggles of the Army of Tennessee, all the drama that is like Dallas level drama. If any of y'all remember the TV show Dallas, that's the level of drama we're dealing with an Army of Tennessee at this time. And then we have Rosecrans with his Army of Cumberland as well. So basically we'll talk whether we left the boys off here, but you're right that the politics of the situation was bad for the confederacy braxton bragg everyone hates braxton right that's kind of how it was and it was because they considered incompetent he was cratchety he had some medical issues he was not the type of guy that he really they didn't really respect him And, and so as this next phase of this Tullahoma episode is really the second half we're going to talk about how braxton bragg reacts to what the what rosecrans did now again to recap from last week Rosecrans' plan was pretty flawless. He was using a Granger to go around the Confederate, uh, Confederate left to kind of demonstrate, to put that fake on. Yep. You had Joseph Wheeler, the Confederate uh, Cavalier, fall for it and move his cavalry from the Confederate right to the Confederate left, exposing that Confederate right. And this is where you had the next primary phase coming in uh, on the Union side. So this is what led to those gaps, right? We talked about Liberty Gap, and we spent a lot of time on Hoover's Gap, mm-hmm. where John T. Wilder came in. He came in like a wrecking ball, someone once said. Came right? in like a wrecking and, ball. All right, that's probably unnecessary. <laughs> but what happens? But, but what happens is 
he burst right through in what was the hatched brigade because they had hatchets and they rose their own cavalry and they were really dismounted infantry because of their efforts. And despite the fact that Wilder disobeyed orders, he was feted by the Union Army and George Thomas changed their name to the Lightning Brigade. Yeah, well, he's uh, honored a, by both Rosecrans and Thomas when the battle and when Hoover's Gap ends. Like, they both are like, you know, Rosecrans especially is like, you saved us. And then Thomas said, I thought this was going to take us three days to take. You know, like Wilder just, he YOLOs it big time. He's many miles ahead of the infantry. And he's just like, we're here and we have to do this. And because they have the Spencers, which they are at, at this point in the Civil War, we can say that they are at a technological advantage over the Confederates. And this technological advantage is going to be one of the reasons why Wilder is going to be able to do what he does at Chickamauga in a couple of months as right. well because of the Spencers. And so because of the effort by Wilder, he really pretty much puts a beat down on William Bates' guys we talked about. Mm-hmm. So as we go into the, the, this is on the 24th, as we go into the 25th, which is really where we're going to pick this, this episode up, the 25th was a day where really nothing really happened. I mean, it was kind of a, a day where it was kind of an eerie silence and and the Rebs are trying to come up with the kind of come up with the game plan, try to stall the Union men in this gap. Now they still didn't know, but by I me, mean, they, I mean Bragg, what Rosecrans' plan was. They knew they were coming, but he's convinced that the attack was going to come on his left, that Union right, because mm-hmm. that's what he expected. Now, one thing we talked about last time was whether like a lot of these battles and a lot of these campaigns is really the great equalizer, okay? It was rainy almost the entire time. Weather remains an issue for both armies. This pounding rain really slowed both. It really slowed Rosecrans down because don't forget Rosecrans is the one who was trying to utilize that speed mm-hmm. to try to get down where he's supposed to go. So yeah. the Corps that had the biggest struggle with the weather was going to be Thomas Crittenden's 21st, okay? Yeah. He didn't start moving on the first day until about 9 o'clock in the morning. Now, the other issue they had was primarily he kind of ignored orders that the orders were to take all the baggage out of the wagons and dump them to make them go faster, not yeah. weigh them down because of the money roads. Well, they just didn't do it. And because of that, they were slow as F. And because of the hills, they had as many 50, as many as 50 guys trying to push wagons up these muddy inclines. You know, Crittenden's men, they got stuck along the roads. They're, they're all heading for a town of Manchester. We're going to yeah. get to that, okay? That's kind of where the meeting place is. Really, this was the primary part of Rosecrans' attack was going to be Crittenden. And now they're slow. And this is the problem. Now, Rosecrans had to have been pissed. I mean, he had to have been, right? But here's where Rosecrans, and this is where the leadership change comes in, okay? Rosecrans was probably pissed when he found out Crittenden didn't empty the wagons and now was slow to get to Manchester. But you know what he does? He doesn't get pissed. He blows it off. And he doesn't try to blame anybody, especially for disobeying the orders about the the wagons, the baggage. He simply tells Crittenden, don't worry about the schedule. He says, just, we're not going to hold you responsible for the original plan schedule. Okay. Now it's probably because he was still living off of that, that the glory of Wilder yeah. bursting through Hoover's Gap. Yeah. So we knew he had those extra couple of days, but uh, Crittenden is now like, you know, he's like, well, okay, I know I'm slow, but now the boss is telling me, just don't worry about it. Get there when you get there. Right. And so as it stands now, the plan is going to have George Thomas. So we talked about George Thomas, um, you know, a little bit last time he's in charge of that 14th Corps, right? His Corps is going to move through Hoover's Gap and they're going to drive to Manchester where they're going to meet up with, with eventually Crittenden's 21st mm-hmm. as soon as they can. Now, what do you think's happening on the rebel side? What's all Braxy doing there? Probably a lot of drama. He's wondering what's going on. He's aware of the fighting on his right flank and his and that the actions on his left flank are a feint at this point. So it's like, it's been to completely draw his attention away and he's become very aware of that. So he is going to order Polk to take his corps on a night march towards Murfreesboro through Guy's Gap, attack the Union force that is now at Liberty Gap. Mm-hmm. Hardy is to press them in the front and Polk, of course, because any orders to him are guidelines and he takes one look at this and is like, oh, uh, oh hell's no not doing that he's like i'm not doing this forget it dude well well, here's the thing that's amazing about bragg okay now last week we talked about the fighting at liberty gap and especially the fighting at hoover gap right there was communications issues that the the confederates had they're always like they're always communication issues on on both sides of every battle right but even after all the fighting at liberty and especially at hoover's 
he Bragg still has no idea what's happening on his right. Okay. No. Bragg is still under the impression that the fighting was occurring at Liberty Gap for the most part, and the main attack was happening there. He's not aware of Hoover's. Okay. He's still thinking they shifted to the right on his right, but not as far as Hoover's because of either faulty intel or inability to understand what was really happening. Bragg is going to base that attack plan you just mentioned on this, okay? So he does call Leonidas Polk into his headquarters at Tullahoma. This is on the 26th now, okay? Is he doing one of these things where he's calling each one in individually and being like, this is what you need to do and not calling well, think, them all in at once? No, I, I think it was because Polk was... was he Polk wasn't too far. Polk was at Shelbyville. Right. And, and so he's thinking, okay... I think the attack is happening. The main attack is happening at Liberty Gap now. It's not. It's at Hoover's, okay? He's off. But he thinks, okay, Polk is at Shelbyville. I'm going to bring him in because I'm going to stop him there. Okay, so he's going to pull Polk into his headquarters on the 26th. And he's going to order him to attack that Union flank by marching up a gap to Shelbyville, which is west of Liberty Gap, called Guy's Gap. This was the area where Stanley's cavalry uh, had demonstrated uh, that, to, that to fake them out at the very beginning. So he's still thinking the battle's taking place in this area. He's unaware of what's going on at Hoover's right now, okay? He has no clue they're trying to get to Manchester on his on his southwest, on his southeast. He has no idea. Mm-hmm. Polk, in not so many words, tells him, this is stupid. Forget it, okay? Because of the weather, because of the road conditions, there is no way, according to Polk now, that he could pull it off, that he could attack this guy's gap. So he begs Bragg, please, no. No, 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 okay? Now, Bragg has his mind made up here, okay? He's going to order the attack at Guy's Gap. He, he, I can literally see Polk in my mind's eye rolling his eyes at this. No, oh, he you're doing big it. time. Big Polk time. is like, fuck. That picture you see of Polk is just standing there? He's probably like that. He's like... Because he knows, the old bishop knows, this is a disaster waiting to happen. Okay, he just knows, right? Yeah. So, so just to recap, now this is what's interesting about this battle or this this campaign. At this very moment, okay, you have two armies near each other. They're literally planning for two different battles. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's like it's just just this are. Bragg is going to attack on the Union right on hit on the Confederate left. Okay, while Rosecrans is consolidating his troops in Manchester, okay? Uh, and then he's going to, what he's going to do, a Manchester on the rebel right, and he's going to use that to get around to attack Tullahoma. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like when someone taps you on the right shoulder and you turn your head and then he slaps you on the face, the left side of the face. That's what's happening Like with this. what you always do to me? Yeah, I guess so, theoretically, for the most part. You know, but that's kind of what it is, 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 is Bragg is still spellbound by this idea. He gets fixated on these plans. Now, I don't want to give away the ending here because then just because you know to, that'll be the end of it. This is going to end up blowing up in Bragg's face. No okay, shit. it's just going to because the lack of troops on his right will allow the Federals to sashay into Manchester, and they don't march; they sashay. Okay, <laughs> they do. They moonwalk in. That's how easy it's going to be. Okay? I'm imagining that right now. <laughs> I don't sashay often anymore. But they certainly did that day. You really should so, sometime for the listeners. No, yeah, it's been a while. But okay. General Thomas and his 14th Corps, they're going to order his division commander, a guy named Joseph Reynolds, we talked about him last week, yeah. okay, to move through Hoover's Gap, the one that Wilder just cleared and held, towards the town of Manchester along the Manchester Pike. Now, hopefully yeah. with ease, he'll be supported by John Brennan's 3rd Division and, and a brigade of U.S. regulars from Lovell Rousseau's division. And they're going to try to turn the rebel left, okay? And it shouldn't be that difficult. Now, they're all going to get moving around 10 o'clock in the morning on the 26th. And these U.S. regulars under Rousseau, they march directly at the 17th Tennessee who's waiting for them. And they're set up on a small hill near a place called Garrison Creek, okay? Mm. So as the Union is marching, they're going to run into Confederates. But this is not going to be the primary line. This is going to be skirmishers and pickets and vedettes. In the Rosewoods clown, every all these people—that's what they're wow. going to be. These regulars under—they're under the in the 18th under Captain George Smith. Okay, so he's going to order his men to charge these rebs at a double quick, which is Civil War talk for haul ass. In case you don't know, okay. Yeah. And here's the thing: they have to march across in full speed across a slick because it's still raining. This wet wheat field. Okay, they find themselves in this wheat field. Now, I don't know if you know this, but if you're in the Civil War and you find yourself in a wheat field, it doesn't usually go well. It's not a good day. 
So just if, in case in case you go back in time and you're in a battle mare and you're in a wheat field, okay, that's like wearing a red shirt in Star Trek. It's wow. probably not going to end well, okay? They get a boot halfway across this, <laughs> wheat, this wheat field, okay? And they're going to get hit by Company H of that 1710. See, I mentioned. Yeah. And they're, these, these are regulars now. This is people who made the Army their profession. And they're going to get driven back by this company. Now, the regulars are going to, again, move forward until they go, they're going to get, they're going to try to get to the right in the bottom of that small hill, that, of that garrison hill I talked about, mm-hmm. where that 17th is set up. And they're going to get into this, this firefight, and Commander Philip Coolidge is going to try to send the rest of his brigade around that rebel flank. But who's going to be waiting for them and sniffing this move out is our old friend Bushrod Johnson, Mary. Bushrod is going to adjust his regiments to stop them, and it was around 3 o'clock, the regular saying, you know what, forget it, ain't going to happen. But some good news for the Rebs, though, is here's the thing, okay? And this is where the, this whole thing gets better and better for the Union. Bushrod does a really good job stopping the U.S. regulars, okay? But the bad news for him is while he's doing this, his eye's not on that Manchester Pike, okay? Which was Rosecrans' real intention. So while his eyes are looking at these regulars, John Reynolds' division now has a clear path that, to go down that pike. Yeah. He's going to use John Wilder's men again. Here we go again with these guys, the Lightning Brigade. And they're going to ride right into Manchester, okay? Wilder doesn't pump his brakes until he gets six miles outside of the town. That's how easy his ride is on this pike because Bushrod is facing these regulars who did a real good job keeping their attention focused on them at at this Garrison Hill. Wilder is able to go into Manchester, which is the rear of where the Confederates are. So he's basically hitting them in their savannah. And Wilder's brigade, as of June 27th, is able to occupy the town at noon. At this point, Bragg has no choice but to retreat to Tullahoma. Well, he he knows. That's his only choice. He said the writing's on the wall. You know, they, you're right. They capture the town on the morning of the 27th, and then George Thomas's main column is going to come in. And it's probably the night of the 26th, realistically, when yeah. Braxton Bragg probably finally figures out what Rosecrans is up to. Yeah, he that he's, during... he's figured out Rosecrans has done this fainting thing, which has been to totally fuck with Bragg's mind, like think, oh, they're over there, when really they're over here. This is what's been happening. Hoover's Gap has happened, and all this other stuff. Like, Rosecrans has done the ultimate mind game on Braxton Bragg with... That, and this is one of the reasons why this campaign is so brilliant, because it, it's not about battles. It's not like Gettysburg, where there's three days of battles, right? It's, it, it's just it's, this kind of this mind, like, where are they? What are they doing? Well, where are they now? I hear them over there kind of thing, right? It's that whole thing when one's playing checkers, one's playing chess, right? Yes. And yeah. so, you know, Bragg is probably surmising there's something going on. He has his, I should have had a V8 moment, okay? Realistically, <laughs> was, was when, was when, was his general Alexander Stewart shows up from Hardy's Court with a message. He goes, I don't know if you know this, but our friggin' flank is turned. Mm-hmm. While you're looking this way, Rosecrans went around that way. He zigged when you zagged. Exactly. Now this guy's right here. So Bragg yeah. at this point, realizing he's been pantsed, which was Boyles must have been very uncomfortable, by the way. Okay. Boils he, plural would be agony. I know. But you know what he does though? Once he realizes what's going on, he finally calls off that Polk plan. He finally calls yeah. that off. He calls Leonidas Polk, who probably came back and said, see, told you. What he, okay. Is he, he called the whole thing off. Bragg really has no choice but to blow his conch shell and bring everybody into Tullahoma. That's really all he yeah. can really do yeah. and retreat back into those entrenchments, those defenses, um, and get south. Of, uh, and, and, and what he wants to do is he wants to get south of that east to west running Duck River. Yeah. And a lot of his guys are north of it right now, which is going to be a problem, okay? Again, it's raining, and it's flooded, and it, it, it's and it's muddy, okay? Once he can get all of his men into the defenses of Tullahoma, he figures he can set up a defensive line. Okay, that's mm-hmm. kind of what he's thinking at this point. Okay, like we said before, the problem is is it's not going to be a fast moving thing. He can't just rush these people no. here. It's because of the terrain. Okay, and again, weather is the big equalizer. So, but they do try. Okay, now what it does is with all of his men. Okay, you're talking forty thousand guys. Okay. It's going to cause a gigantic traffic jam like Friday on the Beltway in Washington traffic. Oh, God, we've been in that, and it is a shit show. 
Well, on the 27th, you know, the, the Rebs retreating from Shelbyville are going to run into Claiborne's division mm-hmm. who are moving from Fairfield and they're trying to cross a single lane bridge and it's causing this mess of a of gridlock. Yeah. Now, it's probably pure luck. On the, this is where the Confederates get lucky, though. It's probably pure luck that the Fed's moving south through Hoover's Gap. Jet, they were just to their east of where these guys are all clogged up. They didn't bag the whole lot of them, okay? They were pinned against the river and could not move, but they were so focused on getting down to Manchester, they just went right by and just didn't even, he mm-hmm. didn't see him or didn't pay attention. Polk is, is in Shelbyville at this point when he gets to hurry back and get a stepping message from Bragg, and he's going to be starting to move back, and he's going to be shielded by Joseph Wheeler's cavalry yeah. again, right? Now, Granger's infantry division, you know, the ones who started the whole ball. Yeah. They're going to basically be north along that guy's gap, just north of Shelbyville, the one that, that Polk was going to attack up that the plank had called off. You know, he's still at David Stanley's cavalry, too. And, and on the 27th, he gets his orders, Stanley does, to go down Guy's Gap and clear it of Rebs. And he's like, friggin' A, now here we go, okay? Because <laughs> this is his chance. Even though he didn't have infantry support, Granger was, was, was in Stanley, he didn't have Granger, Stanley was thrilled and happy to go it alone because he wanted to go bag himself some Rebs. Stanley has a portion of the 1st Tennessee. There's a Union guys, not Southern guys, okay? Along with the 4th U.S. regulars, the 4th Michigan, and the 3rd Indiana. That Tennessee, that Union Tennessee man, are going to hit that 4th and 51st Alabama we talked about. And they're set up in these entrenchments in a gap. Now, when the Union horsemen hit them, okay, the Rebs scattered like the Cleveland Indians the day after the regular season ends with no playoffs. They're gone. They take <gasps> off. Okay? That's not true. That's, that's, that's how fast they move once they reach Shelbyville, okay? So they're going to get across. Now, these Union men are going to, are going to pursue them, okay? And they're going to, but they're going to get pinned down in Shelbyville themselves by those entrenchments. They're going to be hit on the left. They're going to be hit in the center and the right. A lot of it was because of the weather again. The weather is, is, is slowing them down. The Rebs are going to have a real, real tough time. Only one in 10 muskets, according to the Confederates, are working at this point because they're all wet. So you, you can see where this is going, right? It's Shelbyville. It was a real, real thug. The fighting was pretty intense. A Union adjutant, a guy named George Stalin, okay, he's going to say of the Pennsylvanians who are fighting in this fight, the cavalry guys, yeah. they cut right, they cut left, and they cut in the rear, dealing death with every blow. Wow. So this was shooting fish in a barrel. Is what it was. I mean, the fighting there is really, really intense. That's another thing that doesn't get talked about in the Tullahoma campaign is some of this intense fighting. Like we see it at Hoover's Gap, and we're seeing it here now at Shelbyville too, right? You just seeing the beginning of the Lincoln movie when yeah. they're fighting in the rain, yes. the puddles. And that's exactly that's what, what I was, was thinking that's of. What that's exactly was, what okay? I was thinking of. The rebels are gonna flee, and they're gonna. It's gonna be a truly all man for yourself situation. Yeah. They gotta get across that Duck River, okay? Some guys tried to jump in the river and drown. General Wheeler pulled his horse and jumped the horse into the river yep. and tried to get away. Oh my God. He, he got away, but a lot of men drowned trying to escape. And you can just imagine the situation. These rebel cavalrymen, for the most part, are screwed because most of their infantry support, what do they do? They have already crossed heading back to yeah. Tullahoma. So they were left by themselves with a river behind them mm-hmm. and all these Union guys coming down, these Stanley Cavalry guys hitting them yep. with everything they had, and they were pinned. So you can imagine it's pretty brutal in, the, in this situation for the Rebs. But again, it just goes to show that lack of coordination, the lack of attack, and the overall just urgency of Bragg at the last minute to change his plan, yeah. what, it, what it does to an army. But also, too, it goes back to who his subordinates are. You know, like Polk is basically one of the, and I'm not making excuses for Bragg here, but Polk is one of these guys who is like, oh, it's an order. Okay, I'll take it as a guideline. And I mean, Hardy is like, all right, I'll do it, I guess, kind of thing. And it depends on the morale of your men, right? But, you know, while this is all happening, we have Wilder. He is doing a raid to damage Bragg's rear. He's going up as Savannah. This is on June 28th, where he decides, Wilder's like, I need to cross the Elk River. Right. The, the Union guys on the right-hand side, they're all making their way to Manchester. Yeah. Okay, they're getting there. They're moving towards Manchester, uh, t- towards the Rebs. They know we're in Tullahoma. Now, their travels, again, are being slowed by this never-ending rain. Yeah. 
Now, it, uh, you know, on the Union side, you know, Crittenden, we mentioned before, he was that primary part of the attack. And he was the slowest, that 21st Corps. Mm-hmm. It takes him three days to travel 20 miles. That's how slow he is. Wow. And Slocum's not even in the Western Theater. No, yet. Well, I, well, yeah. Well, this is, this is, this is, this is primarily this. Is wow. Slocum's like, hey. Howard's special Nikes that make them go fast. And, you know, the, the Christian Nikes. He would have got them that fast, you know. The Christian Is that a you Nike know? swoop with a like, little cross through it? We don't know. We don't know what it is. <laughs> it probably has a little wing on the back, probably, you know, Apollo or something, you know. But they but the army does get to there. They do finally get to Manchester, okay? Now, once in Manchester, Rosecrans, who is now just 12 miles from Tullahoma, that's how close these armies yeah. are now, okay? He's going to call it a wild, just to your point, to try to drive the Reds out of those entrenchments at Tullahoma. So here's Wilder again, okay? Now, Rosecrans, his plan, what he wants to do is this. He does not want to fight them in Tullahoma because of the defenses. He wants to draw them out. Mm-hmm. So he's got to think of a plan now, okay? I've got them where I want them. I did Now I want them out of here, okay? I, I don't want to fight them in this defensive thing. Yeah. He's going to use Wilder to, to control a bridge over that nearby Elk River you mentioned, okay, on a, in a town of Pelham, which is directly east of Tullahoma. And then he's going to continue to a town called Deckard, okay? Deckard is just southeast of Tullahoma. So they're kind of getting around and closer. From there, they can do cavalry things to the Nashville and Chattanooga Railroad, which is right behind, okay? That's kind of what they're going to do. What Rosecrans is thinking, and he's going to be right about this, is by attacking the railroad and their vital supply line to Chattanooga, it's going to force Bragg to send men out to chase Wilder away. And then when they come out, then they're going to hit him. Exactly. That's the plan, right? So far, so good. Wilder is going to start this latest mission, who's thinking his, his agent's going to be getting a really big contract after this, this whole thing, the two days of this, Shit. right? He's going to immediately run into issues of his own with this weather, okay? Yeah. The roads and the streams are going to be flooded, and the Elk River is going to be too hard to pass. They have to go all the way to Pelham, which is five miles away now, and try to cross on a bridge there. Now, here's the thing what Bragg is doing. Bragg has an idea of what his he realized there's, there's a danger here okay so he's going to have his troops some of his troops go out and try to burn the bridges and try to get mm. the bridges out okay um it took some time to get over there to pelham and when they finally made it to one bridge they found it guarded by a small group of confederate troops who were in the midst of trying to destroy that bridge so they got there right as these rebs are trying to destroy this bridge okay and keep them from crossing yeah. the river now to save it wilder's going to send it a guy named colonel edward kitchell this is 98th Illinois, and he's going to have his cavalry run full speed at this bridge mm-hmm. before the, the Rebs can burn it. Now, this is mounted infantry. This is not professional horsemen. This is a, another coup for Wilder here, okay? The speed and the surprise of this attack by his horsemen are going to completely overwhelm these rebel mm-hmm. guards, and they're, they're going to get this bridge pretty easy. You can only imagine what was going through these Confederates' heads. It's pouring rain. Yeah. You're trying to light a friggin' match to burn a bridge. And here comes a bunch of cavalry guys again. You think they're cavalry full speed at you. And you're like, you know what? This is. And they've got Spencers. And you got to wonder if this is these are guys that are eventually going to be fighting at Chickamauga. You know, a few months later, they're against these same guys. These are guys that they're hard fighting men and they're just going at them. And, you know, they've got a couple of guns, too. They have two guns with them and they need to get these guns across the river. And they're too heavy for the bridge. So they're going to end up tearing down a house. Amazing. (laughs) They build a bridge. They build a bridge out or of a house. not a bridge. They, they build a, they, like a raft. They build a, they, they build a raft. It's kind of like a raft. Which is funny. Th- those uh, skills that they gain in dismantling buildings are going to come in handy in a few months at Chickamauga. It certainly will, you know. And before long, they are going to arrive at that town of Deckard we talked about where they're going to absolutely stun 80 Confederates at a garrison there. They're going to surprise yep. them as well. Wilder is going to use those two guns that he got the river uh, across the river on those rafts by loading them with canister. And they're going to chase these guys away pretty quickly. Now there's nothing between them and the railroad. So they roll up their sleeves and they get to work on the railroad. Wilder's men continue on riding the foothills of the Cumberland Mountains, breaking up the railway. They get to Sewanee, which is where Polk had selected as the place for the University of South a few years earlier. They destroy the railway there. June 30th, and although Wilder is being pursued by a Confederate force that is much larger than him and his men, they do not 
lose a single man on this raid. They prove themselves and brag on the Confederate side of things is not overly concerned about what they've done. He's kind of like, oh, well, whatever, we'll repair the railway and they repair it pretty quickly. Bragg's well, men, what they're waiting for is this frontal assault on July well, here's, the 1st. Right, but here's the thing, though, going, going back before that, though, you know, while Wilder is doing all these things, okay, they, they caught a couple of revs, okay? Yeah. And this is, this, is, this is where it gets funny a little bit. You know, they knew eventually that if they stayed at this railroad and they destroyed stuff, and they did, they spent a lot of time tearing up tracks, facilities, they tore down buildings, they knew that they'd probably attract the revs. They caught a reb, and a reb told them that there were six Confederate infantry regiments on their way mm. from Tullahoma to stop them. Yep. Now, the reality was Wilder hears this and he blows GTFO card, everybody, and says, to the hills, <laughs> let's go. So yep. they're going to ride off to the safety of the Cumberland Mountains. Best I can tell, no rebel regiments ever came. So that intel was probably bullshit. Probably. He probably that guy probably lied to them, probably. but he did save them. Now, Bragg, you know, is sitting in Tullahoma at this point. And he hasn't heard of Wilder's raid yet. Now, he finally has his entire army together and immediately calls one of a bunch of meetings here. Okay, He's going to pull his corps commanders in to announce our intention to fight. We're going to defend this. Okay, Ugh. As soon as he announces that, the collective face palm could probably be heard all the way back in Richmond. You can only imagine. Okay, yep. Polk immediately goes off on Bragg saying, it is hopeless that we cannot possibly defend it here. Both Polk and Hardy felt the defenses were completely yep. inadequate. Now, here's the thing, Mary. They had six months to repair these defenses. Six months, yeah. and they were shit. Well, were, Hardy was... is kind of like, I don't agree, and I don't disagree. I'm not going to say anything. But so Bragg says, you know, Polk says, well, the defenses are crap. Hardy says, they're crap. Well, Bragg says, well, yep. go ahead and fix them then. Go ahead and do it. Fix it right now then. And so Polk was like, right? So Bragg wasn't having it. He had made up his mind again, and he orders his corps commanders into the entrenchments yep. to prepare for the arrival of Rosecrans, okay, in his large army who was just parked 12 miles up the street. So he's like, we're going to fight these guys, fix the entrenchments the best way you can, and we'll go from there. Right around this time, probably, right, Bragg is going to get wind of Wilder's attack. Yep. Somehow he finds out, okay, in the damage that's been caused on the Nashville and Chattanooga Railroad. Yep. And his mood changed faster than it takes in the time for you to drink a morning beer. That's how quick he changes his mind, okay? <gasps> quick. He's going to basically call another meeting at this point, okay? But come on, guys. Back in the back in the yep. room. We got to talk again. Oh, come back on, right? in the dugout. So they get called in, okay? You know, the Zoom meeting numbers are all exchanged. And they all called in. You know how it is, right? And so to find, to let them know about this latest development at the railroad track, okay? And he asks Polk. What do you think? And Polk is like, well, if you listen to me, you know, we need to retreat as soon as we possibly can since the communications at Chattanooga are gone. We have no supply line. We need to freaking go, okay? Now, Polk, <laughs> wa Polk wonders, how the hell are we going to get resupplied? You know, it, it, we can't. And then the Union is going to get right behind us and get to Alabama. Yep. And then Bragg explains, well, we can fix the railroad. What's the problem? So Poe countered, well, the feds are just going to cut them again. I mean, what the hell's Well, freaking... yeah, Bragg's so, all, like, nonchalant about this. He's like, oh, I know Wilder's destroyed well, my railway, he's, he's but looking, whatever he's the fuck. For, he's, he, he, Bragg probably knows it was over, but he's, he wants someone to tell him, no, we can do this. So finally, Bragg loses his shit. He says, he yells at Polk, you propose we retreat then? And Polk says, yes, I do. He screams at him. And right. what does Hardy do? Hardy's like, oh, I don't well, know. He, he's, and so Polk stares at Hardy. And Hardy looks the other way and goes. Yeah, he's like, he Hardy's just, like, I don't know. He, he, he doesn't answer, okay? So Bragg stopped the meeting and says, you know what? Screw it. We're leaving it the way it is. Okay, <laughs> we're going to, okay, well, you know, he's going to keep calling. He's going to keep calling. We're just going to do go, it, okay? Go, I'm going to go. I'm going right? to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. So the night of the 30th now, Bragg once again is going to become Bragg. And he's going to pull his core commanders again for another meeting, meeting number three, okay? This time he's announced, guess what? I've changed my mind and is considering retreating now, okay? He's going to ask Polk, what why he keeps asking Polk and Hardy, okay, if we're going to retreat, do we want to fight along the Elk River or... 
who would want to fight at the foot of a mountain just south of that town of Deckard in the town of Cowan. And both Hardy and Polk saying, mountain, 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 yeah, mountain, yeah, mountain. Really okay. Wait, let's not get pinned behind a river. Let's go to the mountain. Okay. So um, the idea of defending a Cowan is, is the better thing. Bragg okays this at this point. So he's going to okay this withdrawal from Tullahoma to Cowan that next day. This, this is June 30th now, right? Yeah. Now Bragg and his army of Tennessee are going to cross the Elk River. They're going to destroy the bridges behind them, hoping that river is going to slow Rosecrans down as they escaped. Okay. And it seems to work for the most part because while this is happening, Wilder is a concern that Nathan Bedford Forrest Calvary is in those mountains. Yeah. So he kind of does this end around. He finally gets back to join the rest of his army of Manchester. So what does that tell you? The army is still sitting in Manchester at this point yeah. while Bragg is, fine, is, starting, is starting to move out. Yeah. And like, so the army of Tennessee, so Bragg's army is taking up positions below the Elk River and Hardy and Polk are still, they're like, we need to move further south. We need to keep going. Um, and again, Bragg at this time is having a lot of health issues too. Like he's got some right. boils and he can't ride along his front lines. Cause if you have boils, you can't be on a horse. Um, as of July 2nd, Bragg is remaining in his Cowan position until the evening of that day. And then he leaves. Well, I mean, this is the one, if you look at it, the one thing Rosecrans kind of does do wrong with this, okay? Now, you can't He doesn't attack. Him. I mean, he doesn't he, he, attack. He's too slow. Now, he, yeah. he probably, the last thing he probably expected was, was, um, like a sitting duck, Bragg like waiting. To, was Bragg right? to leave? He probably he. I think he did expect that Bragg was going to come out of the entrenchments. Yeah. He never he never did, and he sat around. And I do think having to wait for Wilder slowed him down a little bit. Yeah. So the rumors of, of this rubber retreat from Tullahoma do finally make it to Rosecrans in Manchester. So yeah. he's going to order Thomas, General Thomas, now, you know, old Eeyore, okay, to sneak oh, no. towards the sneak towards the town to investigate. Now yeah. he doesn't go full speed he sneaks okay they were slow as molasses okay in their fear or they were walking right into a trap that you know um and while they were doing this this all this time this gave bragg time to sneak across the river it did so when thomas finally did approach the entrenchments at tallahoma he found them totally vacant yep they're gone okay kind of like a friday night when my phone doesn't ring again you there's no one there right but that's kind of what it was. Thomas Fucker. gets there. He finds out. It's kind of like cheating him a little bit. You know, when mm-hmm. when they finally get over there and realize the Rebs had taken yep. off. So so um, Bragg had effectively given Rosecrans the slip on this. Um, Rosecrans will pursue. He's going to pursue with Phil Sheridan's cavalry. Yeah. And they're going to get in some, they're going to run into some rear guard action on Elk River. Uh, you're going to see guys like John Turch, uh, Turchin. Yep. Uh, and Stanley's cavalry get involved at this point. They're going to fight a place called Morris Ferry, and and but they but they really couldn't tell the number of rebs they were dealing with. I, no. It was confusing at that point. Weather's still an issue. Um, and Bragg and his army of Tennessee, for the most part, started their march uh, back to Chattanooga. And, and Rosecrans, for the most part, at this point, we're talking about July third, right around there. Rosecrans finally says the hell with this and calls it off. Yeah. Um, and while this is going on, Gettysburg is doing its thing. Vicksburg is about to finish yeah. up. And, and these armies are basically going to be separated again. And they're going to prepare for their next meeting that's going to happen down the road at Chickamauga that, that's going to happen. But this yeah. really, in, in essence, changes and ends this campaign. Um and it's really a stroke of genius by Rosecrans to do what he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you can, you know, you can criticize him all you want for not going to finish them off, and you probably should. But what were the goals going into this? Right, get them out of East Tennessee, yeah. drive them out, keep your men away from Vicksburg. Yeah, I mean, the, the that was the whole thing: around. is to keep them, prevent them from sending any additional forces to Vicksburg. That was what was needed because that was what happened. Like. What happened at Stones River was the Confederates lost a division. It was sent to Vic- it was sent mm-hmm. to towards Vicksburg to help the Confederates out there. 
and of course the the union they they win stones river um but they don't need any more if they get one more confederate sent to to, to vicksburg that's going to be one more against them and that's going to upset the balance that they have established already right well here, here's here's the thing you know and this we've been very nice to rosecrans and here's i'm yes. going to hit him on this one right now yeah. okay he, we mentioned before, the only real effective battle that they had was at Hoover's. Now, they had the yeah. thing at Shelbyville. There was a cavalry thing, but there was no big battle. So no. what happens is he allows the Army of Tennessee to get to escape to that yeah. Chickamauga area, okay? And what happens is the good news is he 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 kept the, the Confederates from marching to Pemberton yeah. and Johnston. So Grant does his thing on the 4th, and they get the surrender of Vicksburg. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't destroy the army. So what happens, okay, Gettysburg's over. Yeah. Davis now realizes, okay, we've lost Vicksburg. Bragg is down in Tennessee. He's a disaster, but he still has his army. This is when he's going to send Longstreet over, okay? Yeah. And the fact that they did not destroy the army of Tennessee is going to have huge ramifications at Chickamauga because now they're fighting a 40,000-man army with a new core, a battle test of James Longstreet, who's going to join them. And we all know from this Chickamauga, we did the episode, if yep. you probably remember that one. I, I bet you do, okay? I do. But, but you saw how instrumental Longstreet was yep. with John Absolutely. Bell Hood breaking through that yep. gap at Chickamauga, yep. with the rolling, the rolling Rock at Chickamauga, George Thomas. <laughs> oh, God. Right? The official beer of Rolling Rock was George Henry Thomas. But the thing about it, though, is, you know, for the most part, it was it was a ninety nine point nine percent success by Rosecrans. It yep. gets completely and utterly overlooked now, yep, and it, it got does. overlooked then. Um, in Washington, his effort was basically Rosecrans that was was pretty much completely ignored because yeah. they're focused on Gettysburg and focused on Vicksburg, as of course they're going to be. Seeing this, Rosecrans is gets pissed off. Oh. I don't know if you know this, Mary. He he Big writes time. a letter to Washington. He ain't happy. Oh, he does. Um, so what happens is he gets a message from Stanton that says, Lee's army is overthrown, Grant victorious. You and your noble army now have a chance to give the finishing blow to the rebellion. Will you neglect the chance? And that's Stanton writing to Rosecrans like, what the fuck, dude? So Rosecrans writes back, just received your cheering telegram announcing the fall of Vicksburg and confirming the defeat of Lee. You do not appear to observe the fact that this noble army has driven the rebels from Middle Tennessee. I beg in behalf of this army that the War Department may not overlook so great an event because it is not written in the letters of blood. In other words, just because there was not a great battle does not mean I didn't do great things. And Rosecrans, like he, I mean, yeah, Vicksburg, Gettysburg. But Rosecrans deserves to be remembered for this. So do these men who fought here, Wilder and the Lightning Brigade, all of them, Minty, every one of them. Like, this has been well, an amazing campaign that they've conducted here. The problem for Rosecrans is, those, you know, those letters of blood that he talked about, they're going to be written at Chickamauga a few months later. Oh, big right? time. Yeah, no, he's and, not going to have a good day at Chickamauga at all. No, he's not. And a lot of it's because all he was... Honestly, because he was probably because he was too successful in Tullahoma. Yeah, he got he, he did dr- he did get arrogant, and that's the thing. It's it's very similar to what you see with Lee going into Gettysburg. The arrogance, the oh, it like I made it this far. Like Lee has had success at Chancellorsville, and he's like, oh shit, I can do this. I can push myself to do more. And Rosecrans ha- has had the same. And he starts moving his army out the same way he does at Tullahoma prior to Chickamauga. Would you agree that? And it's because of that kind of that confidence. It's like, I did it once before. I can do it again. Well, what were the goals heading into Tullahoma? Okay. To drive the army, yeah. the, the army of Tennessee out of East Tennessee, keep their men from sending troops to, to strengthen Vicksburg okay, or Jackson, either one. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he did both. He did. And he did too good of a job because he did it without a battle. And so yeah. for that reason, the Army of Tennessee lived to fight another day, and they certainly did. But I think this is a – when you look at the overall structure of this campaign and the overall just how he did it, it was brilliant. It really, really Absolutely. was. Because they lost very few men on this battle, this, this, this campaign themselves. 
And, and so he had to have been riding at the top of his game. And I think if it wasn't for Gettysburg and if it wasn't for Vicksburg, I think he his personal future could have been a lot different too. Because that's what we said at the beginning of last week's episode. This is the redheaded stepchild of, of July of 1863. Nobody, nobody focused nobody, on Tullahoma. Nobody looks at it. And Lincoln said of Tullahoma, the flanking of Bragg at Shelbyville, Tullahoma, and Chattanooga is the most splendid piece of strategy I know. And Union Cavalry Commander David Stanley said, if any student of military art desires to make a study of a model campaign, let him take his maps and General Rosecrans's orders for the daily movements of, this ca- of his campaign. No better example of successful strategy was carried out during the war than in the Tullahoma campaign. And it's just one of these ones that kind of gets swept to the side because of what else is going on. Gettysburg, Vicksburg. And for those of <laughs> those that study Gettysburg and Vicksburg, we're not trying to undermine those campaigns, those battles, what happened there. Tullahoma needs to be studied with them as part of the Civil War, why the Union won, and ultimately what happens at Chickamauga in September is, you know, plays in, like, part why Tullahoma happens plays into that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that you, you just, you can't forget. You know, and it, it does. And it really, I mean, studying Tullahoma really helps with studying Chickamauga too because you realize why Minty and especially Wilder are able to do what they do on September the 18th. Um, and there's, there's still that personal animosity because once again, yeah. Hardy, you know, he's going to disappear. But Claiborne and these guys, Polk is, you know, he's going to have his, his own, he's not going to make it. He's, 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 on, he's a short time from this point on. Yes. But the, all that, especially Patrick Claiborne, uh, guys like Thomas Hinman, mm-hmm. the guys who who follow him along now, they they are had it with Bragg, and the, not to jump ahead to Chickamauga, but this is going to be Jefferson Davis coming out again in this yeah. cabal they called it. Even, you know they're gonna they're gonna get a piece of paper. They're gonna get a petition now yeah. saying we want this guy gone. And everyone sides, including Longstreet, mm-hmm. who's been there for five minutes. Was, I think Longstreet saw the opportunity to command an army, personally. Oh, I think, I think he, he did, did right? too. I think that's why he went out there. But I think all that animosity towards Bragg. Now, just think about the end of this Tullahoma campaign where they're sitting there. Yeah. He had th- called three different meetings. And for the most part, he changed his mind three times and went back and each time in the meeting. And Polk has finally had it. I mean, just finally had it. Claiborne, if you if you read Simmons' book, yeah, he's had it with him. Oh, he's done. You know, and, and it's 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 the fact that you lose confidence. No, he didn't. If they had come out of Tullahoma and went into Manchester and got absolutely blasted and yeah. lost uh, lost the army, that probably would have been it from for Bragg. But Bragg will live to fight another day. He will he will get to Chickamauga. Yeah. He will have some success. Uh, Chattanooga will be a little bit different story. But um, you can see the mistakes he made, and it just goes to show he really never, never made a real effort to mend the fences of a lot of these generals who he really crossed, guys like Breckenridge, right, guys yeah. like that. And he kind of just, the cost of doing business, this is the way I do it. you know. And he had his own medical issues he was going on. He had a lot of stuff going down. Yeah. But at some point, he, I mean, he had a good army. You, know, you, have, you have guys in there like Leonidas Polk, William Hardy. You've got guys, you've got Forrest and Wheeler in your cavalry. You've got Claiborne. You've got, you've got, I mean, as much as you want to talk about Lee with the Army of Northern Virginia, yeah. he, the Army of Tennessee had a lot of all-stars. And wouldn't it be something, wouldn't this, the whole thing have been a little bit different if Albert City Johnson hadn't died at Shiloh and he was in charge, how things could have been different. That is the ultimate, right? what if right there is what if this had been Albert City Johnson? Um, I was thinking. Now, who knows how many? Again, who, you know, you have no idea how. Don't forget, Sidney Johnson had set up that big long line in Kentucky, yeah. and, and if if he would have gone that way, if he had played the same exact role, where he, he goes to Perryville, he gets pushed out, he goes to Stones River, loses. I mean, there's no guarantee that the same thing's going to happen. It probably wouldn't have, but I think he would have offered a more competent command and a command that'd be more respected by his subordinates. Because at the end of the day. I don't care if you were 
if you're the president of the United States, you're working at the Blizzard Machine at the DQ up in King <laughs> Cardino, okay? If you don't respect your manager and you feel he's incompetent, yep. you're never going to work hard for him. I don't care who we are. And that's just the reality. Oh, I completely agree. And, you know, on on the union side of this, um, and I mentioned this earlier, you have, you know, this kind of this new, this mounted infantry that has done amazing things that Halleck said they won't do anything. And John T. Wilder has been like, hold my beer. Here we are. And they go on on the first day of Chickamauga. And uh, Eric Wittenberg, in his book, Holding the Line in the River of the Death, uh, talks about this brilliantly. Um, they save Rosecrans's army. And after studying Tullahoma, I really believe that's why. That, you know, Tullahoma gave, them, gave Wilder and even Minty to some extent the you know, the confidence they needed to hold Bragg back enough on September the 18th to change his plan um, and and just allow Rosecrans to get his army to to Chattanooga because, you know, at after this, um, Rosecrans will, will use the same type of tactics, fainting, you know, making it seem like there's more men there than what there are, um, to draw Bragg out of Chattanooga, to lead him out, of, to get him out of there, to the point where Crittenden is able to walk in there and take hold of it. Just a few days before the Battle of Chickamauga, he take like Union Army, you know, Rosecrans is able to say to Washington, "We have Chattanooga," and then Rosecrans realizes, "Shit, I've spread myself way too thin," and Wilder and Minty have to come in and save the day on mm -hmm. September the 18th. And that's what leads us into the battle, battle of Chickamauga is that right there. Absolutely. So this Absolutely. shows that looking at Tullahoma, even looking from Stones River to Tullahoma to Chickamauga shows how you have to study these all together. You can't just look at them in a silo. It no. one flows into the other and it explains why certain things happen. It does. It does. Well, I think we've done enough justice to Tullahoma. Yep. I think these two episodes kind of really told the story. I think yep. it's an interesting one. Hopefully people appreciated that um, because it's not really a battle, but it is a campaign. It is a very successful campaign. Um, the Rebs are completely pushed out of Eastern Tennessee at this point. Um, they're going to be driven back. It's going to basically set the seeds. We talk about how they, everything leads to big battles. This is going to set the stage for the for Chickamauga and it's going to set the stage for eventually for Chattanooga and, and all the history that goes on in that part of the battle. So, yeah. so what's coming up for us next? What's new? So we are going to be deciding um, a date for our book club very, very soon, we hope. And we will be letting you know what our next episodes are as well. No Facebook Live this weekend if you're listening to this. No Facebook Live, but we will be having one again soon. Um, so thank you to you, Darren, for being an awesome co-host for these 89 episodes and listening to <laughs> every other episode, how I butcher the intro. No, it's... <laughs> and thanks it's to our funny. listeners, too. You guys are awesome for supporting us through all this. All right. So good things coming around. We'll yeah. see what our next next game plan is. So anyway, enjoy uh, enjoy the weekend as we sit here. Week of the weekend is right in front of us. So hopefully it's the weather is good where you are, and hopefully um hopefully you stay safe. Any final words from you, Fincheru? Oh, just thank you to you for being awesome, and thank you to our listeners as well. You guys rock. There's a little Canadian flag from my honorary Canadian there. Definitely. We appreciate it. All right. So off we go. And like we said, everybody have a great weekend. We look forward to talking to you soon. Keep watch this spot for the live. We'll be setting this up here pretty soon. Mary's coming down, coming below the border again. So we have to, we have to make plans for that. So we'll, we'll make plans for the, uh, for our live after that. So off we go. Have a great weekend. Stay safe, have fun and um, peace the hell out. See you guys later. Bye. <laughs>